0: Hi, my name is James Andrella, and you're listening to the Back to Human podcast. On today's episode, I have a very special guest today. I have a holistic health coach and also mother to our child, Jade Hi. Jade, welcome to the show.
1: Thank you so much for having me. It's an honor.
0: And you're the first live guest.
1: Again, honor.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so uh, as some of you may know, if you've been following us, we recently just were able to welcome our newborn baby boy, Jax, into this world. Uh, It was quite the experience from my perspective, (laughs) and I can only imagine what we're going to hear from Jade. Um, So, Let's just get straight into it. Jade, what um what inspired you to pursue having a natural at-home birth?
1: Well, before I even knew that I wanted kids, um, I know this probably seems crazy, but I was fascinated with just watching, binge watching at-home water births and natural births where women are just doing crazy things like squatting out in the wild and just having unassisted births. And I just thought I was just so magnetized towards it. Um, There was just something that was so raw and real and just how perfect human um, about it. And so it only was natural for me that when I did conceive, when we did conceive that I wanted to really make natural birth a reality And what better place to do that within the comfort of your own home? Um, So the main reasons were just because I was naturally magnetized towards it since before I even became pregnant. And also after doing um, some extensive research, extensive research, excuse me, (laughs) words are hard, extensive research, um, the benefits not only for myself, um, but primarily for baby afterwards, um, by having a natural, unmedicated, drug-free, peaceful birth, um, the way that God intended, is the benefits are beyond what we can even imagine. So I'm sure we're going to go into that. But those are kind of the main reasons as to why that was so important for me.
0: And uh, natural, but very human, like you said, completely contrary to kind of what we see both in the media and what we experience in the medical system, wouldn't you say?
1: Absolutely. Um, it, it's, it's Unfortunately, this very glamorized version in Hollywood where women choose their due dates. So they choose what day they're gonna go in and either get induced or have, you know, a cesarean and have their baby kind of just cut up out of them. And again, it, it's just so normalized because that's what we continue to see from celebrities and from Hollywood, and that's what's coming through our screens and at all, any given moment. So, yeah, and the medical system doesn't really do that much justice when it comes to promoting natural birth for a multitude of reasons. Uh, they don't primarily, they don't make as much money when it is a natural, unmedicated vaginal birth. Um, They may at least double, sometimes triple the amount when it actually is a cesarean. So if it's planned, of course, why not do that? Um, But there's always that extra underlying push um, from the medical system at large, not saying that every single OB is this way, um, but there are incentives. So you just have to look out for that.
0: So two things that stuck out to me there was planned and specifically the, the due date. So, I mean, I've heard stories of this too, where uh, some women have it's been their due date, and because they weren't going to labor, they were induced. And obviously, I was there with you along the journey throughout this pregnancy. And so I learned a lot as well. But the induction kind of seems like this whole rushed, unnatural process like, well, we got here somehow. I think. That our uh, ancestors they kind of knew what they were doing and they weren't really worried too much about this one specific date. Yeah. So what I learned throughout it was it's like an estimated date and thankfully I don't think we got too caught up in that. We weren't <laughs> too worried about it. We were just mainly worried about maybe like the the tail end of things and um, not being able to work with a midwife after a certain date.
1: Yeah, definitely. So what you were saying about the guest date, it's uh only 5% of women actually give birth on their quote unquote due date. It really is just a guest date. Um, and that's just based off of, there's no way of knowing the moment and the day unless you're really planning it um, that you conceived. And even if you did, it's really just a matter of when baby feels like he or she is ready, um, when they're in position and when the mom ultimately feels like she's ready, both physically, mentally, emotionally, and spiritually. Um, there's a lot that goes into that, and as well as the environment. If the environment isn't set, the baby doesn't feel safe, you may be at 40 weeks or over 40 weeks, but if there's some sort of um, lack of preparation in the environment, or maybe your partner doesn't feel ready, all these tiny little things actually add up to the baby wanting to stay inside. Um, but yeah, we didn't really get that wrapped up, fortunately, uh, about the, the due date. Uh, I was expecting to go over most first time moms do actually go over their due date. Um, it's more often that if you're a first time mom, you'll go to about 41 ish weeks and a day or so. So I was anticipating that. Um, but two days after my guest date or due date, he decided to make his appearance. So we didn't really have to worry about the certain, um, medical uh the words evading me right now but pretty much what you were talking about uh, in the state of Florida after 42 weeks uh my provider wouldn't have been able to legally legally yes they, the legalities thank you that was they, the word I was like
0: induce you after that point
1: like, yes yeah. so, and that's something we definitely wanted to avoid so I'm glad that we just didn't even have to worry about it. We made sure to make all the preparations before 40 weeks. So his environment was set. Uh, we did all the work to be as physically, mentally, emotionally, and spiritually set as humanly possible. Of course, you don't know until the moment, but uh, I think we did a pretty good job.
0: The the safety around it, too, that, that makes so much sense. The due date alone just can cause so much anxiety and mm-hmm. women. Like there's so much pressure there. And I remember reading in the Hypno Birthing book. Uh, About the cat. Mm. So, I don't, cat story stuck out to me. Uh, It was about this um, adopted cat that this girl had adopted. And soon she found out that the cat was actually pregnant. So, when the cat was going to labor, she would give birth, I think it was like one or two kittens like that. But then all of a sudden she heard this noise. She was startled. So, what she did was she grabbed one of the kittens and she ran off into the woods and she ceased labor. Mm -hmm. So apparently animals can do this and I can only imagine that if they have the capability to do this, then why wouldn't women be able to do this as well? So maybe there's a reason why you're not going to labor and yeah, maybe the safety of the environment, are you actually ready for this, welcoming this baby in this world? That could play a huge factor in if you're actually going to labor on time. Mm -hmm. So how obviously you kind of had this vision in your head a long time ago. So what was your approach to the pregnancy prior? How are you preparing yourself? How are you preparing your body? Uh, and what did it look like for you mentally, physically, spiritually, before, during, after? I know that's a lot <laughs> in one question. So you can kind of piece it together. What What was your outlook prior?
1: Prior to conception?
0: I would say the first trimester. Like what was your thought process during that? first trimester, and yeah, before?
1: Um, really big question. Okay, awesome. So, yeah, definitely the first trimester, I would say, was the most challenging for me mentally. Um, Physically, it was an adjustment, but it's not as, ho- it wasn't, for personally, it wasn't as horrible as most women make it out to seem, where they can't get out of bed ever, and they're throwing up every minute of every day, and having crazy mood swings. Um, I definitely dealt with a tiny bit of nausea and just general tiredness. I was sleeping a lot more. Um, but the physical aspect was manageable. Um, I'll definitely say that mentally for me, it was a massive adjustment. Um, it was a process of actually mourning. And this is something that a lot of women I don't think uh, talk about enough. It's not talked about (laughs) enough um, in pregnancy where there's a natural mourning process of your old self um, to be able to make room and space for the new person you're about to become. And like, I'm getting getting emotional, Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, that was a very, very real process that took very many weeks um, for me to make that adjustment to because I was pregnant. So that this things baby was coming, and yeah. <laughs> things are changing. So um, I knew that I could most likely handle any physical changes that were going on. I've gone through a lot of physical changes in my life personally prior to getting pregnant. So that really didn't scare me so much. Um, it was more so that emotional and mental preparation the morning of of the old self of the free-spirited like do whatever I want like if I wanted to in the middle of the day just up and go to the beach with what was in my pockets type of thing um, and knowing that that wasn't going to be a reality anymore and a part of me felt sad and that's okay and I needed that space to be able to be sad about it for a little while and another part of me felt excited that that wasn't going to be a reality anymore, and it was making space for something that I couldn't have even imagined at the time. So, hope that answered your question for the first trimester. Yeah.
0: So, it, it's really good that you allow yourself to feel whatever you were actually feeling at the time, mm-hmm. and instead of like stuffing your face and binge eating, which I am so proud of how, <laughs> how well you took care of yourself. Do you do you feel like there was anything that helped you with that physical aspect though in the first trimester because we hear it all the time. It's like, Oh, it's the worst. People are vomiting. You have the morning sickness, um, fatigue, mood swings, like crazy. And I mean, I was there throughout the whole process too. And it was pretty mellow, I would say. Oh, so that was a good way to put it. What What do you feel like helped you in the physical aspect? If there was anything in particular?
1: Um, well, I would definitely say you don't start preparing to have a healthy pregnancy after you get pregnant you start preparing to have a healthy pregnancy before um, conception. So I've been taking care of myself on different levels, guaranteed on way different levels over the past eight years. Um, And I would say every single year has gotten that much better with more information that I've been able to gather. So really just moving my body and moving my body because I celebrate my body and all the things that it could do for me. Um, really eating high quality food and drinking the best quality water that I possibly can. And I thank you for, you know, providing all those things. Um, and, you know, again, speaking spiritually, just it having this deep connection and really intimate relationship with god and with life itself um i know that may sound a little like woo, but it's so important um and it's what i've seen to be one of the most overlooked aspects of health and that's why i'm a holistic health coach because i think it's all really really important um i could be doing all the right things like moving my body and doing all these crazy stretches and being mobile and hitting macros and you know drinking all the water and doing all the things But if I don't have this trust um, in, you know, God's ultimate plan and and surrendering to that every single moment of every single day, um, if I'm in resistance to any part of that, that's going to build up in the body as well. Um, So all these things really do add up. Obviously, emotional intelligence, emotional resilience, um, like you were saying, being able to feel things, feel deeply into things, um, allow myself to experience whatever experience I'm having at the moment without necessarily becoming that experience. Like there's a start and a very real end to an emotional experience. That way we don't get caught up in it. Um, but I don't, I feel like I'm, I'm going off now, but I feel like all of those things, um, are really important when it comes to fertility. And obviously fertility is just one small, tiny aspect of health, specifically women's health. So, um, fertility is a marker of health and Mm -hmm. those are the things that I was doing prior, um, to even set myself up for a healthy pregnancy. So it was that much easier once I actually did learn that I was pregnant to kind of just carry over all those things that I was naturally doing for years, Um, continuing to move. Granted, it looked a little bit different. Maybe it was a little bit less intense, Um, more walks, more stretching and yoga rather than crazy intense PRs and (laughs) going, uh, you know, balls to the wall with deadlifts at the gym, Um, but still moving my body and celebrating my body for all that it could do for me. Um, Again, I definitely thank you for keeping me nourished because I was so tired and it really helped to just have somebody just be like here's eggs just like shove them, <laughs> just eat eat the eggs here's you know stuff.
0: I mean I, I figured if I provide the good stuff you won't really want to seek out the Oreos and the McDonald's you won't be asking me to wake up at 3 a.m in order to go get you a slushie yeah yeah
1: there,
0: there really was not any cravings honestly throughout the pregnancy which um I spoke about with Margaret Berry in a previous mm-hmm. podcast Where I believe a lot of these cravings, whether you're pregnant or not, I feel like they come from a mineral deficiency where, okay, sure, you can be eating this junk food, which may fulfill something for a short period of time, but then afterwards you're hungry, you're never truly satiated, so you're clearly missing something. There's something that you're not getting from whatever you're eating, that's why you continue to either binge eat, you're never full, or you seek out these weird, weird things, you have any weird creams, was it?
1: Not really. No pickles. Uh, no pickles, no, like, I'm glad that you brought up, uh, Margaret Berry. Shout out to Margaret Berry. Amazing. Um, that was also, she's also, she does such a great job in kind of consolidating all the information from, uh, Dr. Tom, Tom Brewer. Brewer, right? Yes. Um, she makes it so digestible, literally. And, um, so shout out to you. And I think during, your interview with her i think she was bringing up how there are women who crave like odd things like dish soap or like like dirt right so there's certain minerals or compounds in these odd objects that aren't even food that you're deficient in so that would make a lot of sense let's say like if you're chronically deficient in magnesium maybe that would be something that you would crave mm-hmm. and It's like, logically, we're not going to want to eat dirt, but your body is very intelligent. It's intelligent beyond what you can probably even conceptualize. So it's going to find a way to balance itself out before it dies. So if that needs to, uh, if he needs to crave dirt, so you eat dirt, so you get that one mineral that's in dirt, it's going to happen. Um, but yeah, there was luckily no weird cravings for me, um, again, just because, stay balanced you stay balanced you know you, you stay ready you don't gotta get ready you That's don't gotta I go say. to the
0: extremes and... i love what you said about um how you don't really prepare for pregnancy while you're pregnant either it's like it's it happens prior mm-hmm. uh like your offspring is going to be a literal imprint of yourself and that doesn't just mean the woman too that goes for mm-hmm. the men out there yes so if you're trying to tune out this podcast Because this seems very, uh, I guess, feminine or something. Well, (laughs) this is for the dudes too. Like it takes two. That's right. Take care of your body. So, what did the? What about the second and the third trimester? Was it pretty smooth for you, or was there any like points throughout the pregnancy where it got a little rougher?
1: Um, I would say, I think. The roughest part was honestly the first trimester. And that was more so just because it was a mental marathon, like I was talking about. Um, Second trimester was like a party (laughs) in comparison. Um, I was feeling great. I thought that I looked amazing. Um, It it was like almost every, (laughs) humble brag here, guys, but Mm -hmm. it was almost like every single week I looked more and more amazing. (laughs) (laughs) And I did not expect that um, during pregnancy at all. I did not expect such a positive outlook on the way that my body looked. I did not expect my body to look as good as it did. Really pretty good. Um, you mm-hmm. know, so th- there was that, um, we had our baby moon, you know, we went to Costa Rica. So it was all just like, awesome. Um, third trimester, you know, obviously I'm getting a little bit bigger. It's uncomfortable to do things. I had to enlist you and, you know, like, shaving my legs and putting on shoes for me. Um rolling over in bed was absolutely impossible. I'm starting to miss sleeping on my stomach. But again, these are all like tiny, tiny little things that it's just like this is all temporary. And that's more or less what actually uh helped me get through. It's like, okay, this baby is going to come out. Um I will be able to sleep on my stomach again. I will be able to bend over again. Um and you know I, I will get my body back to you know, to some capacity, obviously I'm still breastfeeding and all that and sharing my body forever, but, Mm -hmm. um, yeah, it was significantly easier. Um, and obviously with all the added energy that I had specifically in the second trimester, um, I was really able to dive head first into all of the, um, courses that we had purchased. And Mm -hmm. I, we purchased them in the first trimester, but I was just so exhausted. It was really hard for me to get motivated to sit down and want to take in any information. Mm -hmm. Um, so I was actually able to do that with you and that felt really empowering. And I felt like I was just becoming more and more logically ready Mm -hmm. (laughs) for what, uh, what was coming up.
0: So going back just a little bit, it's Mm -hmm. like, you looked good throughout the pregnancy. I know this is a podcast, but, uh, (laughs) So just to touch on that a little bit, obviously the goal here isn't necessarily to look your best throughout the pregnancy. Is it possible? Sure. But um, you always hear about these absurd weight gains throughout pregnancy. And I know this is an extremely sensitive topic. Mm -hmm. So disclaimer, I am not saying that you need to be ultra thin, ultra lean throughout your pregnancy. The goal is to nourish your body, therefore nourish your baby. But, uh, yeah, there was a certain point when you didn't literally gain any weight. It was nuts. Yeah. I didn't know if you would gain any. Uh,
1: well, I was hoping that I would gain some weight. Again, yeah. the, the the purpose is not to lose weight during pregnancy. That's the opposite of what the goal was. Um, I definitely wanted to gain weight so that I knew that I was nourishing my baby properly. Um, but yeah, I was. I think it was at seven months. I was still at seven months, and I was at a net of zero <laughs> uh, weight oh, gain. Damn, it was seven months. Wasn't it? Yeah. So I was almost like, oh, what's going on? Yeah. Um, but then pretty much five minutes after I announced that, I started gaining weight like crazy. Mm-hmm. So it was, it was awesome. I wound up about 20 pounds up at the end of the pregnancy. So, um, And again, it's, it's not about the weight necessarily. Um, it's not about how you look. All, all those things are moderate um, indications of health. Right, but it's not the only indication of health. Um, so having you know our anatomy scan at at 20 weeks and knowing that the baby was growing at a good rate, um, every single week we were getting our checkups, heart rate was normal, everything was normal, everything was good. Um, so the, the, that's the main uh that's the main goal in is, pregnancy. Is the baby
0: healthy?
1: Yes, one hundred percent And based off of what you're just that your health disposition is prior to being pregnant. Um, I, it may be possible again, not medical advice or anything like that, but it actually may be possible to kind of not gain that much weight. Mm -hmm. Um, if you had extra weight on you or extra body fat, let's say, um, and it may be possible if you were super, super thin prior to pregnancy to put on a lot of weight. So it's a matter of really just understanding where you were at prior to pregnancy and not making it so much about the numbers. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, quote unquote, normal numbers would be anywhere from 25 to 30 ish pounds uh, gaining from the beginning of pregnancy to the end. Um, But again, these are just like average numbers. I know women that were super tiny and they gained like 45 pounds and within two days of giving birth, they lost 30 of those pounds. You know what I mean? So it's really just a matter of that's what their body needed, um, at the time. And you just get to be real with yourself again, pregnant or not like w- women or men, like just be radically real and honest with yourself. And if you're doing all the right things nutritionally, that doesn't mean like doing all the right things. Sometimes when you feel like it, um, it means doing the right things, you know the vast majority of the time like 95 99 of the time um and moving your body properly and you know feeding your soul properly then if your body wants to gain an extra five pounds and that's what it wants to do but be real about why that's happening yeah
0: how are you going about that why is that weight gain happening
1: yeah and if you're honest and you're like hey you know what i'm nourishing my body properly uh i'm literally i'm sleeping right like you're checking all the boxes then just know that you're doing the best that you possibly can. But if you're having these 3am, you know, Taco Bell runs every, you know, even if it's just once a week or every other week or something like that, be honest with yourself. The only person that you're going to be cheating is you and ultimately your baby if you are pregnant. So just be radically honest. <laughs> so that's it.
0: Yeah. And, uh, actually just one more thing on this. Mm-hmm. You've had an actual, like an incredible bounce back. Yeah. Like, I- People are asking if you were even pregnant. It's like <laughs> the celebrities—they always uh, promote all these things. Always, she bounced back and she had her body back within a few days. Like, no, this literally just happened. <laughs> so, uh, my my point with this is, you should always. This is a general rule for me too. So, this could go for the guys too. Take proactive measures. Be more mm-hmm. preventative. So, if you're taking care of yourself, whether you're pregnant or not, uh, I don't think that. 100 pounds during pregnancy is normal but if it's you're kind of a lot yeah it, if you're taking care of yourself during the process then afterwards you're not going to have to kind of go back and fix all those little bandaged wounds up like mm-hmm. just focus on what you're doing in the process have some principles your body is your temple and yeah simple that. i'm, I'm going to get off that topic because i know that
1: and uh, like you're saying, it's so sensitive and even like, okay, I'm here. I literally just had a baby two and a half weeks ago and I'm still talking about this. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, that's why I'm, I'm really just saying like, honor yourself where you're currently at um, and be radically fucking honest with yourself because that's the only way that you can navigate some like a topic as sensitive as this um, because me, even as a woman who just Give birth cannot tell you what's best for your body and your baby. And most certainly this guy sitting next to me cannot tell you what is good or bad or wrong for your body. It's your body. Um, And if you're ever, you know, feeling less than optimal, if you're feeling um tired, if you're feeling exhausted, if you're feeling bad about your body, if you're feeling like you have aches and pains and this and that, that's where you get to really just evaluate, you know, what am I actually doing to have this happen? Um, if you're you, you gain fifty pounds in pregnancy and you feel absolutely amazing and that's one hundred percent true for you, I'm saying one hundred percent true for you, then go you do you boo. You go, girl. you know what I'm saying? Like take your time. and it's not about bouncing back four days after pregnancy. Um, luckily that was that was my case um, with breastfeeding, taking care of myself for the past ten months, you know, X, y, z. Um, there really wasn't that much work that I needed to do to quote unquote, bounce back. Um, and that's more or less what I think, uh, James is kind of getting yeah. at is you don't have to do all these crazy things if you don't do crazy things yeah. <laughs> in the first
0: place. There are other ways.
1: Yeah. hundred percent. And
0: you're a living, walking testament to that. Dang. Yeah. So, uh, so what about the third trimester where things getting a little hairy towards the end, like as labor, whenever he was going to come. Mm-hmm. What was your mental, physical, spiritual outlook at that point?
1: Um, well, we were taking a five-week hypnobirthing class, which supported me a lot. I'm not sure how much it supported you. I love it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> As my support partner, it supported you a lot. Um, it really reinforced a lot of things that I already logically knew, but having, you know, parents that were at similar points, you know, first time parents, um, really caring about bringing their child into, into the world in the most peaceful way possible and making labor and delivery as easy for the mom as possible. Um, using different breathing techniques and visualizations and meditations and prayer and all this other stuff, um, just natural means. It supported me a lot. Um, and it's uh, it's funny because labor and pregnancy in general gives you it really is a gift <laughs> because it gives you with this opportunity to really just radically look at yourself and to own every single piece of your shit. Um, so again, that that lo- that looks like physically, that looks like uh, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, and I, I would say the last week. The last week, uh, before jax made his appearance, um, it was unconsciously stressful and put it that way, because logically I was coming from a place of, Hey, the nursery's ready, right? I'm ready. I was eating all my things. I was taking my magnesium. My support partner is ready to go. He read all the books. You know what I mean? Um, I've been doing my squats and stuff. Let's get this baby going. Um, and it's brought up this very deep unconscious belief that I've had pretty much my whole life and I've been working on for a while I'd say probably the last two or three years of kind of a a scarcity conversation within myself Um, that scarcity conversation can manifest in a bunch of different ways like I'm not smart enough or I'm not powerful enough or I'm not I'm just not good enough for whatever it is that is in front of me. Um, so that was definitely showing up for me <laughs> the last week or so. Um, and it kind of got to this this breaking point where I kind of just like broke down, had like a mini little anxiety attack. Again, thank you for supporting me through that one. Um, but it was just it all came to a peak where it was just kind of like, I really don't know if I can do this. Um, and again, allowing myself to feel into that and understand where that belief was coming from and, and why it was coming up. Um, allow myself to experience that fear now rather than in labor itself was extremely important. Um, and I ultimately think that that work of, you know, just like it's, just going just going deep inside of yourself um see what you're made of yeah you're gonna
0: you're gonna have to see what you're made of it's like you're there's no choice it's like (laughs) the Super Bowl event is upcoming and like you said everything was paired Mm -hmm. we're both paired everything we had everything but then now it's like oh shit now I actually have to actually do it
1: Mm -hmm. yeah the action piece
0: reality (laughs) kicks in
1: yeah So um, it was a good opportunity to be able to face that. And I'm sure that that, you know, core wound will continue to exist within me until the day that I die. But the point is, uh, you know, every little challenge that comes up uh, in my life or in your life, it really is an opportunity to look at that piece of you that feels like it can't do it or that piece of you that is still holding on to, Uh, you know, a scarcity conversation a not good enough conversation. I want to do this because I want to look good for other people or be in control um, and not surrender. And there's just so many other different aspects of survival context that I I don't want to get into because this will be so long, Mm -hmm. but um, it's a gift. Let me just put it that way. It's a gift for you to really dive deep and see what the hell you're made of, because you know, if you, ha- if you have the audacity to have such a big goal the way that I did, the way that we did, then um, you get to do the hard thing. If, you- if you're choosing your hard, which you always have an opportunity to choose your hard, um, you get to do the hard thing. And um, that hard thing looked like getting to the end of myself and pushing through it and being able to deliver my baby in a way that was as close to the original plan as possible.
0: I feel like I saw all of that, (laughs) the scarcity and everything literally in your eyes, but I feel like I saw it come out of you. Like if you looked, if you looked at yourself in the mirror and you saw every, every bad, because we always think worse about ourselves. We're our worst critics. hundred percent. So it's like, is if you saw yourself in the mirror and literally every bad thought that you ever had about yourself, you just... The mirror was talking mad shit about you, and then you just smashed it. It's like, <laughs> fuck all. Of, I'm sorry for Chris. i my own podcast. <laughs> Try not to, but honestly, it was amazing. I, I I could see it in your eyes, and it's like, you did that. Like, you had to go to some place. I don't know where you went. Inside, mm-hmm. and you surrendered. In my opinion, I don't want to give away too much about the birth, uh, the labor at the moment. But um no, I definitely feel like I saw everything that you're talking about come out of you at that point. Mm-hmm. It was amazing.
1: Definitely happened. You know what else came out of me? A oh, baby. Yeah.
0: Yeah. <laughs> so uh, so you talked about the courses obviously. Uh, we did the hypnobirthing. We also uh, went through Mama Natural, mm-hmm. Muscles of Motherhood with Margaret. We have so many books. I don't remember all the books at this point. But uh, was there anything throughout your pregnancy that you came across that was contrary to what we've kind of been, I want to say indoctrinated with.
1: Everything, (laughs) (laughs) Uh, literally everything. I mean, again, going back to the beginning of our conversation, it's so normal um, in, every single movie or show that this woman is in the hospital. She's in like this horrible looking um, hospital gown and she's hooked up to these millions of IVs and there's a million people around her telling her to um, scream and, and push and like even the Lamaze breathing in the, the 80s and 90s where it's very much labor breathing or, you know. Um, it, it makes it seem very traumatic and it doesn't seem fun no i wouldn't well okay (laughs) (laughs) i wouldn't necessarily be like you know let's just like have fun on a sunday and just have push a baby out no um i wouldn't necessarily go as far as saying it was fun but there's definite definitely ways where you can kind of make it not horrible and not traumatic and based off of what we see in again hollywood media um And shows and stuff like that for the past few decades, there's a lot of fear. I would say the word is fear um, Mm -hmm. that is surrounding labor and delivery. And it does not have to be that way. Is it effort? 100%. Is it probably the most challenging thing that you will physically, mentally, emotionally and spiritually do as a woman and maybe even a dad? Yes, 100%. There is no way that I could ever bypass that. Um, and there are ways to make it easier. There are ways to make it more calm. Um, so, uh, what were you saying? Oh, okay. Sorry. I just went off track, um, about how we've been indoctrinated. So yes. So there's probably three main things that I kind of picked up, which is the, the number one reason why complications arise in labor and delivery is because of the state of the mom. So like you were saying about that uh, that cat, right? In the, um, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. Thank you. Um, in the hypnobirthing book, the cat was experiencing distress. So she stalled her own labor. And that's something that is naturally occurring in nature. So again, humans are no different. If the mom is having a lot of distress um, and, fear she's going to stall her own labor in some way, shape, or form. And that could look like a million different things. It could look like, um, just the baby not progressing. Uh, it could look like not, not dilating, not getting a face. It could look like, uh, the cord wrapped around the neck. It could look mm-hmm. like so many other different complications. Um, just fatigue. It could look like that as well. So if, the mom is in a state of distress, complications are pretty much inevitable. Um, so that was one of the things that I picked up is relaxation and the importance of relaxation. Uh, and
0: feel like the hypnobirthing one helped you with that.
1: The most? 100%, 100%. It completely shifted the way that I was even considering labor because I was thinking like, all right, this is a marathon. Like I lost the wall. Let's go. Like, this is going to be hard. And again, everything that I just said is true. It is effort. Um, but in between the contractions or what we call waves or surges, mm-hmm. right. Um, you can find this piece and that's kind of, I attribute the hypnobirthing techniques and the visualization to why I was able to kind of, progress in early stages of labor as rapidly as I did. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, I was not paying attention to time. Mm-hmm. Uh, but when I found out that it was like six hours later um, from the beginning of birth to to when uh, my provider checked me and I was at seven centimeters, I was like, what? Yeah, I just that. started. <laughs> I was like, I just that. <laughs> So <clears throat> that supported a lot. Um, so definitely relaxation. Um, another one would be, interventions. Yeah. So it is so common to obviously have your baby in a hospital, um, plan to have your baby in a hospital and to start having interventions as soon as maybe even 39 weeks where induction becomes a reality. Again, based off of this guest date. Mm-hmm. Um, even if you go a couple of days past your guest date, inductions become a reality and it kind of just leads to this cascade of further interventions mm-hmm. so if you come in and you know we want to just kickstart labor they'll say let's kickstart labor and get this baby out it's like who's rushing like why are we rushing um but they might put you on an artificial um oxytocin which is pitocin, pitocin um to kind of aid in the contractions of the the uterus and to kind of get things quote unquote moving along. Um, And obviously when that happens, pain goes up. So naturally then the next intervention would be an epidural. Um, And that's only gonna last for a certain period of time. So that ends. Um, And when you have the epidural, you can't really move that much and you can't move freely around the room and find different positions that are going to be more comfortable for you and baby to kind of push and engage into. Um, So naturally you're gonna need more Pitocin. Mm Uh, and then when that happens then we need more pain management and at a certain point you just become exhausted and the baby's not moving and then that naturally just leads to let's just go ahead and and get a cesarean Mm -hmm. because you're exhausted baby's exhausted and, and it's just easier that way um so that's a really really common thing
0: misconception
1: yeah that happens and the number one way to avoid the cascade of interventions is to delay the interventions for as long as humanly possible, or to not have any. Um, so I would say that those are the two. And let me see the third one, because there's just so many. Um, pain, like pain and suffering, I would say, through throughout pregnancy. You're saying, you know, what's what have you found to be contrary to what we've been indoctrinated with? Pain, suffering. Um, And that, again, looks like physical, mental, emotional, and and spiritual. Like you were saying, you know, craving and screaming at your partner at 3 o'clock in the Mm -hmm. morning because they got their Taco Bell order wrong or something like that.
0: You you see that in the shows, too. Mm -hmm. It's like, well, I didn't experience that at all. Maybe it's because we're not doing what everyone else is doing.
1: Oh, I mean, when when did we ever do what anyone else was doing? Yeah. (laughs) But, yeah, there's a lot of things that are common and that doesn't mean that they are normal so you just have to really use your discernment with that one
0: and just research and I know it's very hard to come by a lot of information that we uh kind of came across Mm -hmm. it helps if you're open-minded and kind of already doing um things that I guess go against the narrative we're weird yeah we're the black sheep for sure Follow the block sheet. They know what they're doing. Yeah. Uh, But people just don't know. And it it would help so much if this was, if this information was more readily available.
1: And normalized.
0: So some of the things that I came across too, just looking at the stereotypical medical birth, um, hospital birth. And what really helped me out was the documentary the business of being born and mama natural too so uh typically what i've seen in videos and in movies shows is as soon as the baby comes out whether it's vaginally or through a c-section first thing they want to do is they want to clean that baby off they want to get that thing spick and span clean because he is dirty no yeah no. no that white stuff that's on him is called the vernix and that is very beneficial to the baby's health microbiome
1: Um, there's so many studies again you just have to be willing to look at it that it's it prevents everything (laughs) like everything like asthma um better like i said microbiome and your microbiome is your 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 health your Mm -hmm. vitality so oh my god i can go on just sorry go ahead (laughs) sorry for interrupting
0: Uh, so it would be (laughs) the vernix, the um, interventions, like you said, the cascade of events, but uh, the cascade of events where uh, the woman is given Pitocin and then that leads to the epidural and eventually a C-section. Like this is all very routine stuff. And then also the cord clamping. So mm. it's something that we actually had to kind of fight for a little bit. We'll get into that in the future or later on in this podcast. But uh, the the little things that you really wouldn't think about, they're kind of done out of this routine. Yes. But they're not entirely necessary. It the the way that hospital births go seems so opposite of a natural human birth. Like we shouldn't really need all these interventions. Uh, we shouldn't need to be super, super sterile. But that's kind of where we're at. So when you decided on the natural home birth, what factors were important to you? Like, what was your vision? How did you visualize giving birth to Baby Jack's?
1: Good question. Um, I definitely had this visualization of just peace and tranquility. Um, you know, when you're thinking of your traditional medicalized birth in the hospital, there's bright lights. There's a lot of beeps and boops. And, you know, you're pretty much strapped to the damn table on your back because of the IVs and the blood pressure cuff and the this and the that. And, uh, there's random people that you probably don't know coming in and out of the room and it's, you know, checking you and being all up in your business and all that stuff. And it's just kind of like, it's, it's the opposite of peaceful. (laughs) It's the opposite of kind of natural. It's the opposite of the, the just protection and, and, sacredness of the womb honestly uh just think about it like you're like put yourself in an unborn baby's position for just a moment real quick okay you're in here you're floating around in this warm amniotic fluid you don't have to do anything because you're getting fed through a little cord that's like like directly into your stomach life is good you know like it's warm it's cozy you're all strapped up you're like there with mom you hear her heartbeat it's like life is all around you. And you know, that life is protecting you and it's dark, um, great for sleeping. Um, and then all of a sudden out of nowhere, you know, things just start moving and you're quite literally being pushed out of this sacred space that you is really your only home that you've ever known. Um, and you're being pushed into this outside world, forced to breathe for the first time, um, forced to open your eyes and use your eyes for the first time. Um, hearing things other than just your mom's heartbeat and, and her blood rushing. And and now you have all these sensations of air and it's intense. Like it, it is intense, no matter how peaceful and, you know, nice and calm your birth is birth for the unborn child is still the most traumatic experience that you could probably imagine. Um, so the thing that I was visualizing is just being as peaceful as possible. So the lights, being, you know, dim. I was definitely imagining a water birth so that it can be as smooth of, of a transition as possible for the baby and for me to prevent, you know, tearing and all that fun stuff. Um and and reduce pain, sensation of pain. Um, you know, music playing, we have where we had um our our oh, wow. cat Leo, who was going to be our doula and he was. Um, just being emotional support animal as he does best, um, you know, and just having the people that I wanted to be there, be there people that I knew loved and cared about me and wanted to see the best for my baby boy. And that was literally just James and, and my midwife, my provider. Um, and that was it. So that was kind of the the vision of it.
0: And here's where things take
1: a turn. Yeah.
0: (laughs) So that is not what we got. However, um, I believe that what we did receive was absolutely perfect. And um, actually going back to the hypnobirthing class, I remember during the class, the instructor, she was mentioning how this woman, she was so fearful of the cord being wrapped around her baby's Mm. neck that in the future, she pretty much manifested this. And she went back to the instructor, and she was saying, hey, do you think that my, uh, like, I willed this into existence, my baby having the cord wrapped around him during birth? And she's like, yeah. Definitely. So in the class, they have you do this fear release, and I know that one of mine was, um, we had, like, a time limit on the labor. So when your water broke, you had 24 hours, and if not, we had to go to the hospital.
1: It's and, a state-mandated law, yeah. blah, blah, blah.
0: And, um... My biggest thing was I didn't want to go to the hospital. (laughs) (laughs) I don't think you want to go to the hospital.
1: I definitely didn't want to go to the hospital. Are you kidding me? I just told you my vision for my birth. Mm
0: -hmm. So in hindsight, I'm like, Hmm, I thought I had released it, but ultimately it seems like it was still there. Even if I was still calm, cool and collected. My main thing with that was I was worried that as soon as we transferred to the hospital, that we would not get the things that we wanted. We wanted to. Uh, have skin to skin right afterwards. We wanted to leave the vernix on uh, baby jacks. We wanted to do delayed cord clamping and we did not want any vaccines. Mm -hmm. Um, We also did not want antibiotics as well or obviously the C-section. So um, as soon as we got to the hospital and I will not steal your story, but uh, (laughs) as soon as we got there,
1: like, obviously, just yeah, the story. obviously
0: we went to the hospital.
1: Um, <laughs> wow, spoiler alert. Yeah,
0: spoiler alert. We did not get our home birth, unfortunately, however, Next everything, time. yeah, everything worked out perfectly. Uh, but the main concern for myself was that once we got to the hospital, we were no longer we no longer had like any say in what happened. Mm-hmm.
1: So what did happen, Jade? <laughs> Good handoff. All right, Baton. Um, okay. so obviously, Spoiler alert, we did not get the home birth of our dreams, um, but again, I truly believe that I got the exact birth that was perfect for me, and I know that kind of seems like a cop-out, um, but it's I truly believe it, especially retrospectively looking back on, on the events of that day, it all just unfolded so perfectly. Um, And kind of what James was saying about, you know, if there's a fear, if there's something, if you have a self-limiting belief that is hidden in the back, deep, deep, deep back there in your subconscious, like you have to, like it has 10 years of dust on it. You have to like blow the dust off type of shit. That's how far back in there it is. Um, Mm -hmm. uh, Labor and delivery will go ahead and give you that opportunity to dust that off and to look at it. So I think both of us definitely had that fear of not wanting to go to the hospital. Mm -hmm. Um, and the way that, you know, God designed the universe is that when you put in an order, uh, you know, a prayer or anything like that, if you, he doesn't understand the word, not the universe doesn't understand the word no or not. Um, so when we're saying things like, you know, dear God, I do not want to go to the hospital or dear God, you know, you're focusing on the things that you do not want to happen. It's pretty much like putting a, a direct order saying, please just go ahead and transfer me to the hospital. That's what you're going to get. Yeah, that's exactly what you're going to get. So that's why I always, you know, for myself and for my clients, I always talk about what it, talk about what you want to happen. Speak into existence what you do want to happen instead of all these do nots. Um, because if you focus on that, that's what you're going to get. And guess what? That's what we got. We got an emergency transfer to the hospital. Um, so how did that happen? Right? So We did go ahead and and start labor. So I began labor at four o'clock in the morning, um, started feeling contractions. They started becoming a little bit regular, I would say within 10 minutes apart, 10 minutes apart from each other. Um, And I was like, okay, yeah, this is it. This isn't just practice labor anymore. This isn't Braxton Hicks. This is like the thing that's happening. (laughs) Um, So again, time is weird and arbitrary because I wasn't paying attention to time, but I would say, a couple of hours. I don't want to help me with this. You were the one keeping uh, track of time. I
0: mean, it happened extremely quick. So the midwife, uh, she went by this principle 511. So, uh, contractions five minutes apart, uh, for one minute each for an hour. For That's when hour. we, uh, reach out to her. So that way she can head on her way. So that happened like probably within like an hour. And then um, really,
1: you yeah, see, I don't even know. It's pretty quick. <laughs> Um, well,
0: so I was like, I don't know if I should even text her or call her right now, but it uh, this is the time that I have. So
1: yeah, again, I wasn't keeping track. I was just like, take time off because <laughs> I'm just focusing on breathing, um, uh, through these. So yeah, I would say that, so that was happening, I guess, for an hour. And then James ran the, the tub. I got into the tub. How long was I in there for another hour? Probably. Um, and that was when things progress the most. And I was able to actually chill out. Um, I would say that that was the easiest part of my entire labor uh, because I was just using the visualization techniques that we learned in hypnobirthing, imagining this beautiful flower just opening up very slowly. And uh, I was able to use the breathing techniques in hypnobirthing, which is just like in for four seconds and exhaling out for eight seconds. So I wasn't keeping track of the time necessarily, but I was keeping track of how many breath cycles I was doing, and I was doing around four or five of those four, eight breath cycles. So I guess that would only make sense that it was around a minute. Um, And yeah, and then from there, things just started picking up. So midwife came, um, she checked me. At this point, it was about five hours, Yeah, five hours into labor. Um, she checked me and I was seven centimeters and me and James are both just like, what? (laughs) That's crazy. Um, I expected that to be a lot longer. Um, so that was encouraging. Um, so we started blowing up the birth tub, um, have a little bit more space to move around different positions, filled it up, um, got into the birth tub, tried different positions in there. Um, we kept monitoring, obviously the baby's heart rate with the Doppler and there were just certain positions that I was being in that he was just not happy. Um, so his heart rate would kind of like dip down a little bit. I would change position and it would go back to normal. So we're just like, okay, that's fine. He just didn't like the previous position. Um, I was in the birth tub, I would say for maybe an hour or so. I'm just saying an hour because I literally have no idea but for all these things. I don't know how two hours adds up to five, but it does somehow in birthing time. Um, that they- it was just not progressing within the birth tub. So I got out of the birth tub. We're trying some supported squat positions. Um, James helped me out with that one. Tried side, side lying on the bed. Um, it was just not necessarily happening. Um, and it wasn't that the labor itself was stalled. I really think that with each contraction, um, it was obviously each contraction is bringing my baby closer to me. Um, hashtag affirmation, but <laughs> Um, the the thing that ultimately had us move to an emergency transfer was just the fact that the baby's heart rate was going in and out. It was very inconsistent up to a point where at, at one point his heart rate dipped below 60 and that is extremely low. And my provider was very uncomfortable with that. And I still had time. I know that I still had a lot of energy and effort and willingness. I was all there. I was willing to, to, continue to labor at home. Um, but ultimately, I did trust in my provider's experience, uh, what she was seeing, what I was not able to see. and I wasn't happy about it at the time, but I trusted her um, her call on having, you know, the ambulance come and make it an emergency transfer over to the hospital. Um, yeah, so it was around, That was around noon. Yeah, so that was, what, eight-ish hours?
0: Yeah.
1: So eight hours laboring at home, transferred over to the hospital, and uh, then another two hours or so at the hospital. Um, Should I continue?
0: Yeah, well, (laughs) we were kind of obviously disappointed that that was going to be our fate. Um, And even... uh, like, during it, Jade was like, I don't want to go. Like, conscious <laughs> and clearly somehow conquering this. I don't know. Was it pain or?
1: It, I mean, pain is, like, a really weird way to put it. Discomfort. Out. Yeah.
0: So, and the, the midwife was like, uh, well, if you push him out before the ambulance gets here, we can tell him to go home.
1: Granted, that was, like, three minutes. I had yeah. one contraction <laughs> but, um, <laughs> to be able to do that.
0: So you were kind of disappointed about that. And then I remember you looked at me in the eyes and you're like, I'm sorry. I'm like, I'm not disappointed with you at all. Like you're doing this. This is something that we've never done before. And right. um, if that's your concern right now, like the health of the baby and you is far more important than any expectation that I could have had. Yeah. That doesn't matter to me at this point. Yeah. This was the ideal birth that we wanted, but it, What matters most is the baby gets here and that all of us are safe Mm
1: -hmm.
0: um so we transferred over to the hospital and that's when we heard uh you're under our control now (laughs) essentially (laughs) it's like you're under our care now so kind of what we say goes and
1: well let me let me even discuss briefly my experience in the the ambulance in the ambulance okay um Let's talk about going from zero to a hundred real quick. All right, so we have the, the lights down low. We have my my provider and James and my doula, the cat Leo here. Um, everyone's talking really low and really calm. And, you know, it's it's very chill vibes, okay. And the moment that the ambulance got here, it was treated as if I was like a heart attack patient. And, you know, it just turned very medical very, very quickly. And I remember obviously being like half in, half out. They're asking me all these questions. They're just like, okay, what's your due date? How many, how are, is he crowning? How, wh- what's happening? Is there blood? What's your social security number? I'm just like, really? <laughs> what, you know, I'm first of all, there are other people in the room that you could be asking these questions to. Um, Multiple people were asking the same question over and over again, so that was frustrating. It just felt like it was just very chaotic and it was not organized. And me being 100% there, not in labor, that that would have pissed me off. Let alone me being like <laughs> in it, trying to focus on breathing and visually, you know, breathing my baby down, and all these things that I learned in hypnobirthing to now try to switch over from very much being in my body to now very much being having to be in my brain and remember my social security number. Like that's not whatever. So that was frustrating. Um, that's fine. So got on a little stretcher. I'm like completely naked, by the way, this Mm -hmm. is hilarious. People are like, are you going to even cover her with a sheet? Because we're just going to leave the apartment, (laughs) everything out. whatever. So that's fine. I'm in the ambulance. Um, they're really pushing for just having you know, it's, it's routine having oxygen on me and, and putting me on an IV. And I was just like pulling the oxygen off so I can actually breathe properly. Mm-hmm. Um, you continue to use the breathing techniques. And I refused the IV. I was just like, listen, like, I don't need this right now. I'm fine. I'm just transferring because my provider wanted me to and the heart rate. Right. So, uh, um, you know, one of the people, EMT, whatever guys in the EMT. yeah, EMTs, he was just very aggressive. Um, it he was like, "Oh, she's refusing the IV. Just no." Again, speaking to me uh, as I'm in the middle of a contraction. Um, you know, if you if you refuse this IV, which you're gonna get it at the hospital anyway, and you become unresponsive, I'm gonna have to drill into your bones. And I'm just like, "This is something I want to hear." Yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. When I'm in the middle of a contraction,
0: it's like they're they're so routine. Granted, they are good at what they do, but it kind of lacks the whole human element it's like you do have a person that is experiencing probably one of the most amazing things that we can and there's no humanist to it
1: yeah they never once called me by my name um even after knowing it and asking me a million times what my name was um and again like they're they're amazing at what they do and and which is a, a niche of saving lives and this just wasn't that
0: yeah it's not that extreme it's not that far moment yeah
1: Yeah, so that was that um i tried to remain as calm as humanly possible in the ambulance with the screaming and the lights and it it was more so just the it was jarring going from exactly what i visualized a very peaceful environment to like okay now we're making this like a medical emergency event um so we got to the hospital. Um, the OB that was on staff, again, I, I'm not going to reveal the the name of the hospital or any of the, the OBs or nurses just to protect their identity, but the OB that was on staff that day, she, within moments of me getting on the table and again going through another contraction, um, was pretty much just like, we need to hook you up to the IVs, we need to do this, this is something that is mandatory because you're under our care now so it's you're playing by our rules pretty much what we say goes and i remember just laying there like is this actually happening right now like the amount of coercion and threat and like oh, authority yeah it was very much like ai i'm gonna bully you into this decision type of tone behind her voice and i was just like oh this is a great way to start <laughs> um this is not good so it, <laughs>
0: It reminded me of the Arizona flight.
1: Oh, geez. Let's not even talk about yeah. that.
0: Where the flight attendant wanted me to mask up and I,
1: yeah. He refused. But anyway, so it's, you're dealing with big egos. And um, again, let me just preface this by saying not every single doctor, not every single OB, not every single nurse, not every single person that works in the medical system is this way. But it is the majority of the case when you're dealing with somebody who did go to school for something that's specialized for you know six, eight, possibly twelve years, you know you have to be relatively smart to be able to get through that much schooling. You have to have a relative amount of hard work and and uh, tenacity and discipline and all those other different great things that you need to do in order to become a doctor. I'm not saying that anyone off the street can just become a doctor. So I am giving these people the the benefit of the doubt for as much as I possibly can. Um, But with that being said, there's a lot of ego that goes into that where it's kind of just like, well, I studied this for eight years and you have no idea what's going on. um, So you have to trust and do everything that we say. And um, that's kind of what the medical system banks on. Unfortunately, it banks on fear. It banks on women not trusting their bodies and and not being empowered with knowledge that they can pick up for you know the ten months that they are pregnant. They bank on support partners or um, the husband or boyfriend or whoever um, also not advocating. Um, and fortunately, we had all those things. I was empowered with. You know, trusting my body, I really did, and empowered with knowledge. Um, both of us were empowered with knowledge. And I know for damn sure, um, previous to even transferring to the hospital, if we did have to transfer for whatever reason, I knew that James would be the number one advocate. Um, because I had
0: mm-hmm. other business yeah, to yeah. take care of. <laughs> A little preoccupied. A little preoccupied.
1: So, um, so yeah, I mean, all in all, when we got to the hospital, um, other than the few kind of hiccups that we had with the OB, um, the majority of the nurses there were awesome. They really did help me find a position that that worked best for being able to push past that stall point for Jax and really just be able to have him naturally, vaginally, um, unmedicated, on time, and healthy. And um, again, thank, thank God for James being there and for this whole co-convid co- 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 situation mm. being sort of overish. Because if he wasn't allowed in the room and I would be forced to labor alone with a mask on, I probably wouldn't have the same outlook as I do right now. Um, so with the cord clamping delay, um, the, the hospital kind of their routine is no more than a minute. So it's kind of like at a minute, we they stop the blood from going from the placenta through the umbilical cord to the baby mm-hmm. um so they'll clamp the cord at around a minute so we were just advocating for as long as humanly possible james was like can we do an hour and they were like are you kidding me like who is this guy they that was that's unheard of um and at home that's something that was a grant was was a given we were mm-hmm. going to have it um or until the cord stopped pulsing Knowing that all the blood was received to the baby. Mm. So in the hospital, James was like, <laughs> stalling. He was stalling. He was like distracting the nurses. He was distracting the OB. He was just like, let's do two minutes. She's like, okay, I'm comfortable with two minutes. And then a nurse came by. She's like, it's been two minutes. He's like, just one more minute. You know, she's just like, I can do three, but I can't do more. He was just like, hey, look over here, guys, while I do this puppet show. So you guys can forget that you have to cord clamp. <laughs> So, you know, we, we wound up with three minutes, which is definitely not close to an hour, but it's way more than I thought that we would have had mm-hmm. um, in the hospital. And that's all to, all to James. If, you know, if he wasn't there, I probably would have, they would have it at around a minute. So mm-hmm. that's something that was awesome.
0: Yeah. <laughs> um, and for those that don't know, there's still like a third of the blood left in the placenta. So the reason why you want to delay that is so that the baby can actually get all that blood. And once the placenta stops pulsing, uh, pulsating, that's when you would want to snip it. Um, Also, the the OB, I don't know if you mentioned it, but one of the first words out of her mouth was C-section.
1: Oh, for sure. Yeah. Yeah, that was a part of the whole sentence, where she was like, you know, you're under our care now. So what we say goes. And if we need a C-section, which a C-section is possible, C-section, C-section, C-section. I felt like she said it like 16 times. Mm Um, we need to have you hooked up to the IV. We need this. We need that. We need this. And I'm just like, ah. you know, I spent the last ten months of my life trying to eliminate the word c-section from my vocabulary to only just have it within moments of me being in the hospital, have it shoved down my throat. um multiple times while I was in the middle of a contraction. Did I mention that mm-hmm. ever? I was always in the middle of a contraction while these conversations yeah. were being had, very peaceful. Um, but yeah, it's just um, <clears throat> You
0: know, <laughs> well, I think that's why we were meant to go there, though, is yes. to uh, kind of say like an F you to the system. And it's like, <laughs> no, we will not buy into the coercion. Like, we won't accept your fear. Mm-hmm. We understand that maybe this is what you see in the majority of cases with people that don't do their own research um, and with people that you can kind of bully. But Mm. that wasn't for us. And I could honestly never visualize you, I can talk, visualize (laughs) you having a C-section. Not that there's anything wrong with that. Obviously, there is some times when you do need interventions. And as much as I... Just
1: to put a pin in that really quick. um, Yes, there is definitely times where interventions are needed and a C-section is... Uh, Like 100%, that's the only way that we're going to be able to save mom's life and save baby's life. Absolutely. And I'll also say that it is the minority of times, Mm -hmm. I would say way under 10%, around 5% of the time is that medically necessary. Um, The vast majority of the time that it actually does happen, it's because of what you were just saying, because there are fear tactics, because there's coercion, because there is bullying, because there's this... um, yes and because there's this banking on women not trusting themselves and and just being like okay i give up yeah c-section sounds good to me just get this baby here you know i'm tired of tired of pushing i've been pushing for x amount of hours um so as as much as c-sections do have their place um it's not as big of a place as it has been made out to be especially in recent times so i did just want to say that so go ahead
0: and uh, the business of born, I already mentioned that before, but that would business be a, of being born. Yeah, that would be a great documentary for you to watch if you are either pregnant or if you are looking to become pregnant. Yes. Um, and I will say, as much as I dislike the medical system, if you've been following me for any <laughs> period of time, uh, that would be pretty apparent. Uh, I will say, in this instance, I am thankful that we did have a natural vaginal birth we Mm -hmm. pretty much did have everything that we wanted uh, besides I guess the longer delayed cord clamping um, and the environment but I don't know what it would have looked like had we not gone when we did because uh, there was a few tactics and techniques and there was one nurse that actually did like um, that really aided Jade with how to Uh, use the breath to get baby Jacks out. Mm -hmm. Um, And this goes into like coaching too. It's like, if you're coaching an athlete, you're coaching a kid or whoever you're dealing with, sometimes the way that you say something (laughs) can make all of the difference. So not everyone's going to pick up on the same exact cues. And this is honestly what we needed, um, both to, just to get them out, to um, have Jacks arrive here safely and healthy and also just so that we can go through the system and show you what's possible if you do advocate for certain things so you don't need to just say yes to everything you can decline pretty much everything
1: damn near everything
0: they uh, were trying to give us the vitamin k they were trying to give us the hep b you can decline these things you can decline iv you can decline the antibiotics you do have more power mm. than you are led to believe in the system yes um
1: these people work for you it is not the opposite you're not you're not coming in and no like you are in full control only all the time and even the language that is being used in the hospitals like we have to do this this is mandatory there's actually really nothing that they have to do and there's nothing that's actually mandatory Um, and again, if you decline, whatever you choose to decline, you sign a little waiver that's, you know, quote unquote against medical advice, just so they can cover their ass. If something were to happen, um, saying that, you know, they did offer it. They did basically say that it was mandatory and you declined and that's that it's something as simple as that. Um, but it's, it's the language as well. So if you're not educated or or if you haven't gone through it yourself, of course, if a doctor, eight years and I'm studying blah, blah, blah. This professional doctor is telling you it's mandatory. What, of course you're going to say, you know, well, of course, if it's mandatory, then I need, I need to do it. Um, I will say to definitely make sure that you do your research, Mm -hmm. use your discernment, all the other different things, because depending on what state you live in, I'm not sure what, what state you're listening from, but depending on what state you uh, live in there are different laws and, um, There are certain things that you may run into a possibility, not saying it will happen, but a possibility of the hospital um, trying to call child protective services on you based off of the decisions that you do make or what you do decline. So really just make sure that you're empowered. You do your research way before um, and you can kind of know what you can get away with, but Um, pretty much damn near everything, you can go ahead and decline and understand that these people are working for you. Um, You can hire them, you can fire them in the way that you see fit. So as long as you're coming from that place of grounded empowerment and not coming from a place of wanting to combat, not coming from a place of, you know, wanting to be right, even though you probably are, if you've done all your research, um, you still have to play with the political climate. And this is kind of where I always say to James, you know, like, play the game um, and you can know all the information and, and be right. You can actually be 100% right when you're making these decisions. Um, <clears throat> but if you don't know how to to, to play the game and, and play nicey-nice with the people that you have to play nicey-nice with, mm. um, you may not wind up getting what you want. So just just understand that it's a very, very political decision um once you everything's political once you get into the medical system so just be very aware of that and be cognizant of how you're speaking to people be cognizant of how you're declining things if you do decline um and it, it's just really important um that, yeah so yeah. i'll just leave it at that
0: and definitely like we said do your research don't Please. just listen to us don't oh just assume that we know everything in this podcast uh you may have a different outlook which is fine Uh, I'll leave all of the courses and all the books that we read and took in the show notes so that you can look into those yourself. Overall, I I think that this was a great experience, not just for us, but for the nursing staff and the OBs there because it shows what truly is possible. It doesn't always need to be this way. Mm -hmm. And I believe these are the type of cases that need to be seen and witnessed so Mm -hmm. that some type of change can be made. That way we don't have all of this coercion in the medical system. That way women can actually experience the, what would be the word? Like. Blessing. The, the blessing that is birth.
1: Like. Natural birth. And now you can like listen and, and hear all the cues of your body. And that includes the uncomfortable times. It really does. Cause you can't have pleasure without the pain. You can't have pleasure without the pain. Can we leave
0: that in me. Please. <laughs> so overall, it was, uh, from my perspective, it was such an incredible experience. I don't think I've witnessed anything more amazing than Jade giving birth. Just the determination, the courage, the look in your eyes. Like, I could tell that you were on the brink and that it's like you're kind of falling off a cliff and you're just trying to reach. Like, you need one little more grapple. Oh, yeah. And that's it kind of essentially what happened was a miracle in my eyes and hopefully the rest of the team saw this as well because there was a point that the he wouldn't crown like he was kind of stuck at a certain point so his head was stuck um right above the pelvis. Mm -hmm. So I could see the top of his head. And to me that was so exciting. (laughs) And whenever Jade would push, yes I saw everything. I did not faint, I did not pass out. It was Amazing. You did a good job. (laughs) So when I would see the contraction, Jade would push the head would come out just a little bit, but then it would go right back into its original spot. And that's where um I guess the wind kind of got taken out of the room. And there was a lot of doubt, like you said in your post. it was
1: palpable. Yeah,
0: you could you could feel it in the room. I feel like I was one of the only people that still had any hope. And then there was one little push where I saw his head come out a little bit more and it stayed there. And I was like, wow, I I think we're moving now. And I looked at her midwife and I looked at her for reassurance. I was like, he's coming out, isn't he? And she's like, yeah, yeah. yeah." And that's when I started really getting excited. And I felt like a a football coach out there with Jade. (laughs) Every time she would get a contraction and she would push, I would see the head come out
1: more and more and more. And I was like, go, 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 go.
0: (laughs) I don't know where this came from, but, uh,
1: I know, I was, telling, I was telling you, I was just like, I don't think I've seen you that excited ever about anything. So nice. thank you for that. Um. I, yeah, the, the disappointment in the room, like I said, it was palpable. And if I would have let that get to me, no doubt we would have had to probably head over into another intervention. Um. But the number one thing that was pushed, I know you didn't ask me this, so like, I'm asking myself, what was the number one thing, Jay, that was was helping you through the entire thing? Thank you, James, for asking me. I love that. Um, Love that question for us. (laughs) So um, I would say two things. It was definitely Earthside. It would be you, 100%. You were my number one advocate, not only for the things that we wanted for the health of our baby, but for me and being able to, you know, really just like look into my eyes and be like, you got this, like. I'm not bullshitting you. You have this, like you were built for this. You know what I mean? And just having at least one person, um, outside of myself to really believe in me helped me so much. And even bigger than that, um, is again, I kind of wrote about this briefly on, on my post on social media, but really just my having a rock in, in God, Um, for the entirety of the pregnancy but especially for the labor and delivery and it's exactly what I prayed for um I got exactly what I prayed for no prayer goes unanswered um for for that because that that was literally only an act of God for when uh Jax decided to finally finally come out um I was I was getting to the end of myself I was Mm -hmm. getting to the end where I was kind of just like oh man I don't know how many breaths and visualizations and pushes and I don't know how much more I have in me um I was I was getting to that point so um you know God being that that rock really I was just imagining this massive tree that I was just like leaning on uh in between every single contraction we're just like oh okay I get to rest for just a moment and get rejuvenated by honestly his grace and his power and his will and you know powered me enough to be able to push you know another two or three times in the next contraction and then lean on him again. Um, so that's, it was the most spiritual experience I've ever had. And I've sat with, you know, plant medicines and stuff like that. And I prayed and I meditated and I nah, 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 nah. ain't got nothing on labor. <laughs> so thank you, God and Jane.
0: No, it was truly a miracle. It's like the greatest comeback ever. That's why <laughs> I feel like I was at a football game, just like rooting <laughs> from the sidelines. It's- yes, yes.
1: It was the underdog team just, yeah. like, coming back in the fourth mm-hmm. quarter or whatever, basketball terms, baseball. Sports are hard.
0: I don't know. Us against the system. Yeah. So, Yeah. would you do it again? And
1: <laughs> Let's if, do it right now.
0: If so, <laughs> and if so, what would you do differently? And what advice would you have for anyone that is looking – to go to the home birth route
1: would i do it again absolutely i want six this is an uncomfortable silence (laughs) i want six and we just get to have conversations about that one at a time time, obviously that's the way that that happens so but yes i would definitely 100% do it again um i was even like having a conversation (laughs) with my baby after a couple of days of him being here where i'm just like reviewing some of the videos that we took from the home birth and even like a clip that we have from the hospital. I'm just like crying, watching it. And I'm just like, I would, you know, I'm speaking to my baby and I'm just like, I would do it all over again right now if it brought me you. So definitely I would do it again. Uh, what would I do differently? Honestly, not all that much. Uh, now I know exactly what to expect in terms of the, like the physical, uh, needs (laughs) of labor. Um, so I just know what to expect now I'm going in a little bit more empowered. Um, so if anything, I would maybe do a little bit more, um, like hip opening stuff. Um, but I know that with the second baby and each, each baby after your first, it gets that much easier to be able to just squeeze that little guy out. So, um, really just maybe more on the physical realm of being able to open the hips more and prepare them for labor. Um, feel like I possibly slacked a little bit on that, but everything else, you know, like daily prayer, daily connection, having that relation, the continued relationship, um, with God and being able to feel everything, um, experience my experience without becoming my experience, um, nourish my body in the way that I was, that we were doing. Um, all those things I would remain exactly the same. Um, Really, yeah, the only thing I would try to do differently is prepare my body physically and still go for the the home birth. Definitely 100%. Next one. Six. Next one. Oh, six. Yeah? Got some work to do. Well, get ready, boy. (laughs) But uh, any advice I would give is really just take care of yourself. Like as a woman, um, take care of yourself now. If you're listening to this and you're just like, oh man, I don't even know if I want to get pregnant. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter if you want to get pregnant or or you do. If that's something that you desperately, that's one of your heart desire, one of your deepest heart's desires. Like, the point is when you take care of yourself physically, mentally, emotionally, and spiritually, everything in your life comes that much easier, and you don't have to actually act in in such a way where you have to like prepare for it so much. You may have to make some adjustments for sure but it's not this drastic change uh that you have to that you have to make um so if you're a woman listening take care of yourself now and take care of yourself because you deserve to are you kidding me like you're a human person like take care of your damn self um you deserve to feel your best only all the time and if you're a male that's listening first of all congratulations for making it this far into the mm-hmm. podcast really appreciate that um take care of your damn self too and step up as a man you know i get to say that um I know James completely agrees with me on that. But when you step powerfully into your, you know, your masculine identity, whatever that means to you, uh, and you step powerfully into your life, (laughs) honestly, and your life's purpose, again, everything comes that much easier for you. Um, So taking care of a new life becomes that much easier for you. Um, And, you know, if your pregnant wife or girlfriend needs a little shoulder, uh, needs a rock, earth side. You can be that rock, so you're not the guy who's passing out in mm-hmm. the at home <laughs> watching the baby come out, and he, she she doesn't have to worry about herself, the baby, and you. You know what I mean? Like, take care of yourself. Um, and that's kind of just my message for everyone all the time mm-hmm. is really just to take care of yourself um, because you deserve to, because the people in your life deserve to, and because it's, if you don't, it's honestly a disgrace on, uh, you know, God's masterpiece. And we see masterpieces that he's created all around us, like the trees and the birds and the flowers and things like that. But what about us? You know, as human beings, we're the most complicated systems that we, that are here. So if we are disgracing that masterpiece with artificial foods and disrespectful thoughts and toxic relationships and X, Y, Z, it's honestly a direct act against God and it's I consider it the ultimate sin so take care of you Mm -hmm. I love it
0: (laughs) and definitely this is for the guys too um I could not imagine because yeah obviously there's a passing out in the room and whatever but all the stuff in between it's like you need to be a little bit stronger because Hello, she is pregnant (laughs) and she may not be capable of the same things that she was before. Mm -hmm. So it's going to require a little bit more from yourself. So if you are fatigued all the time, if you're tired, if you're going out on the weekend getting sloppy drunk and you can't be there, you can't be present, mm, how are you truly supporting the relationship? How are you going to support your kid in the future? So I couldn't imagine if I was engaging in the things that I was doing five years ago, how I would have manage this pregnancy and i hear stories all the time like oh my god it's the worst mood swings are the worst i don't know how i deal with this there's plenty of books on it so it's like well i didn't really experience much of that from the male perspective from the male side of things so maybe it doesn't need to be as bad as people are making out to be and maybe it's because we're doing things a little bit differently um so definitely take care of yourself guys it takes two and oh yeah, it definitely takes two. <laughs> but it, it makes a huge difference with how you treat your body that way when you do need to carry a little bit more load than you were before, it's just that much easier. It doesn't become overwhelming. You don't get buried, mm. you have more energy. The more you pour into yourself, the more you can pour into others. So um in a sense, I would say be don't be afraid to be selfish sometimes. Because the more that you pour into yourself, the more that you can give to others. And just like Jade said, uh, the human body is a masterpiece.
1: Amazing. Mm-hmm.
0: All of the different systems: digestive system. We we can see, we can hear, we can taste, we can smell,
1: we can think.
0: But we have <laughs> all of these beautiful things available to us. Like it's a work of art. Use it. Use it. Simple as that. So uh, where can they find you?
1: (laughs) Um, You can find me primarily on Instagram. I'm most active on there at intuitive health guide. Um, And again, if you didn't catch my name, Jade Jamie, that's me. Holistic health coach. That's where you can find me or you can send me a carrier pigeon.
0: I don't think they allow that here.
1: Okay. Then just find me. No fly zone okay then just find me on instagram
0: that's fine cool awesome well thank you so much for your time
1: thank you i am
0: so proud of you for everything that you've accomplished in the past year and thank you for being such a great mother
1: i'm gonna cry again
0: (laughs) i love you love you too thank you for listening to the podcast and if you found any of this information here valuable i would love if you would share it Share it with someone that you think would also find value in it or go ahead and just share it on social media. Show some love. If you tag me at King6Killer, I will reshare your story. I will reshare your post. And I would also love to hear your feedback. If you go to the Backtohuman.us website, that is Backtohuman.us, not .com, and go to the contact form, you can leave your feedback. I would love to hear from you. Also, if you would like to support the show under affiliations on the website, I have a bunch of products that I am affiliated with. Disclaimer, I will receive a compensation if you use my links or codes. However, these are products that I've used throughout the years on a daily basis. I only endorse products that I truly believe in. And these are things that have made a dramatic impact on my life. And I'm sure that you will see some improvement as well. So thank you again for listening to the podcast. Kill the day.